You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. We're, uh, we're continuing our series. We're going to be in week four of a series that we started a little while ago. It feels like forever now. Um, whenever we have a Thanksgiving break or any kind of break and we miss a week in between, it feels like forever between weeks that we're here. So I'm excited that you guys remember that this is a thing that exists after such a long break and for coming back. And uh, we're going to get right back into a series that we already started it's all called So You're a Christian, Now What? And the point of the series is really trying to ask questions of like, what do we do now that we're a Christian? Say, hey, I know I've been saved. I know I belong to Jesus. So what do, what do I do with that? What do I go from here? And I, I really thought about this series because I thought there's a lot of things, the basics that we, we kind of know, but we, we haven't thought much about, or maybe we thought there were basic things, so we moved on to other stuff, and we didn't bother coming back to some of the basics. And I felt like when I was a kid and, you know, prayed a prayer when I was young, I didn't really have a lot of direction. Like, what is next? What do I do now? And maybe you came to faith as a kid, similar, or maybe you came to faith later, and maybe you came to faith in college, and you were like, I don't really know what to do now. Uh, I'm just going to keep going to church and trying to figure it out. And so we've been trying to answer some questions to help us think through, what, it, what do I do now? And one of the questions that I asked when I was thinking about the series was, so how are you supposed to read the Bible? Like, how are you supposed to read the Bible and get something out of it? Um, because I think that's a big question where we go, okay, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. I'm told a lot that I'm supposed to read it. Maybe I get some information about the Bible here and there. I come and I listen to sermons and stuff, but like when I read it on my own, how am I supposed to get something out of that? Like, is there a right way to do that? Is there a wrong way to do that? Is there a translation that I should be reading um, that I don't really know about yet? Or is, is there a place I'm supposed to start? Am I supposed to just go to Genesis and start from there? Um, and we ask these questions and <coughs> we ask maybe, is there a method that I should be doing? And maybe you've heard methods before for reading scripture. There's uh, one that I think is a pretty common one called the HEAR method. And we encourage that when our D group, like our D group reading plans have like the HEAR method spelled out. It's that you, when you're reading, you highlight things that stick out. You try to explain what's going on in the text. You apply it and then you respond here, right? And then there's also a church that I used to work at. Um, we did this thing called the REAP method where you would read, explain, apply, and pray. I came up with one over the summer that I thought, oh, this, this covers the bases even better in my mind. I was like, I'm going to call it recap. And I, I was like, you read, explain, consider, then apply and pray. And, uh, and then I haven't used that since. So, um, you know, you hear people talk about you observe the text, you interpret the text, and then you apply it. So that's another way of talking about it. Uh, observation, interpretation, application. And all those things can work, Right? All those things may be good ways if you're really systematic in all the things that you do and you need a system to go by. Yeah, it can work to have a method like that, but, you know, they're fine questions for, for the topic is to think, is there a method? Is there a right translation? Is there a right or wrong way to do this? But then there's also all, all these other things that you've got to consider when you start talking about how to understand the Bible when you read it. You've got you to think about context. So you're thinking about historical context you know, of, of when this was written, thinking about the original language that it was written in, thinking about how the translation goes from the original language to the language that I'm reading, thinking about the intent of the author back when it was written, 
the original audience that they were writing to, how they would have perceived it. So you're thinking about context, and you're thinking about the immediate context of the passage that you're reading. I don't want to take it out of context. If I'm reading a passage from Matthew, I want to understand what's going on in Matthew around it. And you start considering all these things. You start considering, like, genre of literature, and you go, is it a narrative? Is this apocalyptic and, and containing symbols? Is it prophetic? Is it poetry? Is it wisdom literature? And you could go on and on. Is this a letter that Paul wrote? You know, who did you write it to? You got all this stuff. And thankfully, there are a ton of resources out there nowadays to help us understand all those things. There are resources at your fingertips, on your phone, in your computer, uh, where you can go and, and find helps. There are libraries full of commentaries and things like that. And, you know, I think that there's plenty of resources to help us understand some of that stuff. But there's one maybe more central question that we need to consider if we're going to have any hope of going into the Bible and finding something there for us. You can think about all those technical things. You can think about the context. Think about all this extra stuff, historical stuff. You can think about the method, all this. But there's one question that's really at the heart of this. Are you approaching the word in faith, longing to know and be known by God, believing that he's there, and can be found when you seek him in his word? I want to repeat that question. This is the more central question in my mind. Are you approaching the word in faith, longing to know, <coughs> know and be known by God, <clears throat> believing that he's there and, can, and that he can be found when you seek him in his word? So in my own personal time in scripture here lately, uh, <clears throat> I've been reading the, the Bible reading plan that we're doing with D groups, and uh, it took me through Hebrews 11 here recently. So Hebrews 11 Verse 6 has this to say, and this stood out to me in my Bible reading. It says, and without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So I started thinking about this question, you know, like, you know, am I, do I believe that God is near, that that I can draw near to him, that I can actually seek him out? Do I believe that he's there? And in particular, when you start thinking about the word, Like, do I come to the word in faith? Or do I come without faith? Do I come in order to draw near to God? Like, when I come to the word, is the purpose of that to draw near to God in my mind? Do I really believe that he is there? Do I really believe that he can be found here, that his words are found here? And not only that, do I really believe that there's a benefit to seeking him here? So I start asking those two questions, and, you know, coming from this text, I'm thinking, okay, is he really here? Is this really his words? Can I find his words here? And and not only that, but do I know and really believe that there's a benefit to coming into these words to try to find what he has to say? Do I think there's benefit to that, that I'm really going to find what he wants me to see when I go there? Because I'm not certain that if, if if I don't approach his word really believing that he's there, that, is, that he's speaking to me here and that there's real benefit to it, then when I approach the word, I'm probably not going to get anything out of it. If I don't approach the word with the thought, I, I am seeking God here and I believe that his words are here and I'm, I'm walking into this book by faith and I'm probably not going to get a whole lot out of my time in the word. And I want to remind us of a few things before we get into our primary text for the night, just this related to faith, you know, faith that he is, that he's here and <clears throat> present with us when we get into his word. The living word of God was with God in the beginning. He was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name is Jesus. 
That is the testimony of John in John chapter 1. That the Word, the living Word, was with God in the beginning. He was God. He came and dwelt, took on flesh, right? That Jesus came to redeem us and to reconcile us to himself. That he lived a perfectly, a perfect life, perfectly in line with God's will, as testified in the Word. He fulfilled all the Old Testament scriptures. He laid down his life as a perfect, sacrificial, uh, substitutionary sacrifice in our place. And he has risen from the grave. And not only that, he has made a way for us now to approach the throne of God by grace through faith. All these things are possible. And you know how I know those things? The Word told me. I know these are the testimonies. The New Testament is a testimony of people who witness these things. And they're sharing it with me down through the years. And I, I have come to believe these things because I have heard it through the Word that is preserved for me. And this living Word... Uh, Jesus is still active in this word. And because of what he's done for us, all of us who have put our faith in him have his Holy Spirit living inside of us. We talked about that two weeks ago. That was the topic of discussion. What is the Holy Spirit doing in me? Well, that same spirit we talked about last time, he said he inspired the words. The same Holy Spirit who inspired all the words of Scripture is the same spirit of him who was called the word, and that spirit lives in me now. And so he's writing, according to Scripture, the Word on my heart and on my mind so that I understand it. So when we come to the written Word, this Word that he inspired that tells us the testimony of what God has done and who he is and who we are and what we're supposed to do with this life that he's given us, when we come to this, we come with the real presence of the Word in us. So a couple things are true for us. Reading the Word is personal for us. Reading the Word is personal for us, and understanding the Word is possible for us. There's only uh, one wrong way, probably, to come to the Word, and that is without faith. If you come to the Word without faith, then, yeah, you're gonna, not going to find a whole lot there. But if you come in faith, I'm saying, I think He will help do the rest. You know what I'm saying? So the only wrong way to do this is to come without faith. Now, you start asking some of these other questions, is there a best translation? Probably. There probably is. I wish I knew which one was, you know. I personally read the ESV most of the time. Uh, I think it's a good translation as far as I know and as far as I've studied words and stuff in Greek and Hebrew and whatever, and I, I just feel like it's a good translation. There's lots of other good translations. I would say this. The best translation for you is the one that you're going to pick up and actually read. So whatever you're actually willing to read is going to be a good translation as long as you're coming to the Word in faith. And as far as the method goes and where to start when you get into the Word, I think that varies person to person. Some people approach the Word differently, and they have different ways of going about reading and studying and all that stuff. What really matters is not the method that you do it with, but it's, it's how you're approaching it. And really, not just how you're approaching the Word, but how you're approaching the author of the Word. Am I approaching in faith? Do I believe that His words are here? Do I believe that there's real benefit to me in coming? So I've got a text tonight that I, I want to look at that's going to help us think through some of the principles that I would say help guide our scripture reading. And a lot of what we're going to go on to say is related to the stuff that I've just been saying, but we're going to see, uh, we're going to see six things. I've got like six principles that we're going to pull out of this passage of scripture, um, and they're tucked away kind of in this, in this spot in Psalm 119. So we're going to be in Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm. It is also the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. We're not going to read all of them. 
right? That's a praise the Lord thing. Uh, you can read all of them at another time. I don't even know how long it would take you to read them all, but we're going to read just verses 9 through 16. Okay, so the whole theme of this psalm is a love for and a desire for more of God's word. And so that's why we go here and we read these, these words. So Psalm 119, I'm going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to go through verse 16. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So some, some principles to approach the word by as I see it in these verses. One, read God's word to seek him. Again, we've kind of already made that point clear. But when you look at verse 10, and you read, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I think when you read those two things, when you read that together, those two lines together, with my whole heart I seek you, and this connection to the commandments, and knowing that it's right here in this whole psalm, talking about a love for the word, a desire for the word, And if you want to seek the Lord with all your heart, you're going to have to seek him in the word. And when you go into the word, that is where you can find him, right? And so you begin to seek. If you want to seek the Lord, it's going to have to happen with the scriptures. You can't separate those two things. To read scripture with no pursuit of him is to miss the point entirely. To try to pursue him without the scriptures is to miss him entirely. And so he and his word are not to be separated. This is not some cold intellectual exercise. It's not just a history book, although it does contain history. But it contains a lot of other things, right? And it's not just something intellectually that we go read and we study just to learn it like a book. When we read it for ourselves, we're not trying to study for an Old Testament survey exam or a New Testament survey exam. And it's not a check off of a to-do list. I know a lot of you probably want to try to make a habit out of reading God's Word, and so it's, it's on your to-do list each day. I want to do this. I want to spend some time in the Word. It's not just that. It's good to have it as a habit. It's good to try to create habits, even if you don't feel like it. But it's not just a habit that you're trying to form or something that you check off the to-do list. You've got to ask yourself, why do I do this? And the answer needs to be, because I want to seek Him. I want to know Him because I believe that he's there. I believe that these are his words, and I believe there's real benefit to approaching him here. That's principle one. That's the shortest one. Two, read the word to be guided by him. Come back to that same verse. He's saying, in verse 10, let me not wander from your commandments. You know, wandering comes really naturally. Okay, I was in Arizona over two weekends ago. Two weekends ago, I was in Arizona, and Robin Popwell, the missions pastor, and I were there doing a, a retreat for a, a church partner that we have. And we're driving two hours between Phoenix and this uh, retreat place. And you would round, like we, we were winding our way up, and it's just like open country, right? There's no trees. It's just like brush and cactuses, huge cactuses. Um, and so we're driving, and you would come up on certain spots, and you would look out, and there would just be a huge basin, wide open. You could see for miles. I don't even know how many miles. I'm not a good judge of that. I can't look out and be like, that's five miles away. But I'm like, that is forever. And we were talking about how you could wander off in any direction and not find any civilization for days. You would just die out there. 
And, and that whole idea of like wandering, I feel like if we begin to wander, it's almost like that. We can just wander and wander and wander. If we're not intentional about where we're going, we could just end up anywhere. And that happens to us spiritually too, where if we're just wandering and drifting, we're never going to end up in any civilized place that we want to be. We need to be intentional about where we're going and, and be intentional about coming into the Word and intentional about walking with the Lord. If we're a Christian, now what? Well, you need, you need some kind of guidance, some kind of roadmap to be on. And this is the Word for us. He guides us here. This is His guidance for us so that we don't have to wander. If you're going to avoid wandering in your walk with the Lord, you're going to need to be consistent with a few things, but Scripture reading is going to be one of those huge pieces of that. And one reason is for that is that the Word is how we find God's guidance and His instruction and His wisdom for how to live. We're not going to find it other places. If we're finding it from wise advice or counsel from somebody else, you better hope that wise counsel is also coming from the Word. Because if it were left up to us to just have all this wisdom and wise counsel on our own or try to know how to go about things on our own, we'd eventually find our way off the path. We would, you know, just, just one degree of separation away from where we ought to go is going to lead us who knows where. But the Lord has good wisdom for us. And if I'm going to walk the way God has called me to, like verse 9 talks about, how can a young man keep his way pure? If I'm going to walk in purity, a focus in my life, an intentionality in my life, and holiness in my life, then according to verse 9, it's going to happen by guarding it according to God's word. And I get that some scriptures seem more helpful than others for guidance. There are some parts of scripture that feel impossible for us to get anything out of. If you go read Leviticus and you start getting into those laws, you're going to be like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm doing here. And you can get lost in there, right? And I get that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, some scripture is harder to understand than others. It's hard to understand why we're reading it than others or where it fits in the big picture of things. But all Scripture is necessary. All Scripture does tell the whole story. And we need the whole story. We need to remind ourselves that every part is worth reading. Matthew 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17 and 18, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not in Iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus wasn't rejecting the Old Testament. He said, I came to fulfill it. So everything in the Old Testament and the law and the prophets were to point to him. And that changes the way that we read the Old Testament. When I read the Old Testament, I got to see, hey, this is something that my Lord Jesus has fulfilled for me. These things were all pointing toward him. We read it with Jesus in mind. And when we do that, we can begin to see what he's accomplished and uh, and it, it's all telling this one story, and it's all purposeful and profitable. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He doesn't say, you know, some Scripture or just the New Testament. He says all Scripture. Anything that we would consider to be part of the Scriptures is going to be breathed out by God and profitable for these things. It's going to have purpose for teaching us, for correcting us, for reproving us, for training us. And really the purpose, the, the profitableness in the word is not just for us to learn things. It's not just putting information in our heads. What's happening is really transformation. What he's saying in verse 17 there in 2 Timothy 3 is he's saying that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This idea of complete, like reaching fulfillment, reaching its intended goal. Right? And the purpose for God's word for us is really to transform us. 
God is not only just guiding us down a path, he's making us into somebody. He's making us into Christ-likeness. You know, he's guiding us and he's shaping us with it. There's this well-known verse, Romans 12 too, I'm sure you've heard, that comes to mind when I think about this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds need to be renewed. And how is that going to happen if not in God's word? Our minds are to be shaped as we read the word, and that reshaping is helping us to understand and to walk according to God's will, to follow the, the path that he is guiding us on. This word is the primary means that we use to receive his guidance. I'm not saying it can't come through other people. It absolutely does. But those people are going to be hopefully people who are filled with the spirit and who are learning from the word just as you are. So we gotta, when we look at it, when we go into God's word, we need to look at the whole thing, any, any part that we're reading, and we've got to start asking questions of that text. How is God looking to shape me through this? How, how is my understanding of who God is and who I am and how I'm supposed to live, how is that supposed to be shaped by what I'm reading here? How is God leading me in this text? Whatever text it is that you're reading, you could ask these questions. Like, what is he trying to show me about himself, about me? about this world, about how I'm supposed to be living in this world. So we go there because that's where we find his guidance. A third principle, meditate on the word as a way of loving him. Meditate on the word as a way of loving him. You know, this whole thing about, you know, meditation, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. There's another psalm, Psalm 19, You subtract 100 there, you go to 19, you go verses 7 through 11, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. And all this stuff he's talking about, like, it's just different aspects of God's word and how great and wonderful they are. And, and you get this sense from reading that, you get this sense if you were to read through all of Psalm 119, this, like, overwhelming love for God's word. And I wonder, if we were to ask ourselves, do we feel that kind of way, how the answer would come out? I'll be honest, I do love God's word, but there are moments where I just don't want to deal. I don't want to get in there. I don't feel like I have the time. I don't feel like I have the focus. And I just don't want to. And so I think if it were left up to us, the want to probably wouldn't be there very often. There might be moments in your life where something's going on, you're like, I need wisdom from God's word, I'm going to go. Look, but in regular everyday life, if, we were, if it was just left up to, do I feel it, you probably wouldn't do it. And even if you did do it, you would just read it and be done. But there's more to it than that. We're called to meditate on it, to think on it and consider it. And I want to tell you guys, we don't feel our way into action. At least not action that you want to do, that you aspire to. You don't feel your way into that action. You act your way into feeling. You set these habits in place, and the feelings develop over time. 
that you, you go do it. You go read it. You go meditate on it. You go think on these things. You spend the time, not because you feel like it, but because you know that the Lord will work in you so that you do feel it over time as you grow to love it. And practically speaking, how do you do that? How, how do I delight in him, as, as verse 15 or as verse 14 says? It says, in the ways of your testimony, I delight. In the Psalm uh, 19 passage, talking about loving these things, desiring these things. How is it that I delight in them? You fix your eyes on where he can be found. So this verse 15, I'll meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. How am I going to fix my eyes on his ways? I fix my eyes on where he can be found where his ways and what he's done and how, who he is, all these things can be found here. That's where I fix my eyes. It doesn't say feel, feel it or, you know, when you desire it. No, he says, I'm going I'm to meditate. I'm going to fix my eyes. When my, even when my eyes are straying off this way, I'm going to set them on your word, on your ways. And so we read this word to see God at work. We read to see who he is, what he's done, how he's done it. And as we come back to what he's done and who he is and his purposes for us and how we've been invited to him personally, as we read the word and read the story of what he's accomplished on our behalf, you cannot help but see his great love for you. When you get in this word and you begin to understand even what was required of them in the Old Testament, now you see this grace in the New Testament that is like overwhelmingly beyond anything that we could understand or ask for. When you see his great love for us, that begins to motivate us. The more that you're in the word and, and the more that you see who God is and see his love for you, the more you're motivated to actually get back in that word because you want to obey him. And you want to know how, how to live for him. And this is where you, you find it. Time in the word reveals his love for us. And remembering his love for us stirs us up to love him more. And thereby to love his word because we know that that's how we find out how to love him in return. It's a cyclical type thing. And so he talks about here in verse 11, storing up the word in my heart so that I won't sin against God. You know, we talked recently about how our love for the world has got to be crowded out by love for God. That often, yeah, we have desires to do sinful things. We, have, we want to chase after stuff that we know is wrong, that God says is not something we should pursue. We have desires like that. The only way to get rid of those desires or to overcome those desires is to grow desires that are more, that are bigger for something greater when we grow in our love for God, those other desires begin to look puny. The satisfaction that we might gain from seeking after those desires in sinful ways, it loses its, its luster for us because our love for God has grown. The only way to continue to grow in our love for God is to continue in his word. So we store it up in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. You've got to ask yourself as you're going through the word, like what is standing out from this text? What can I think on more? What can I do to store this up in my heart? What can I do to meditate on this? What questions are arising as I read? What things are standing out? What are those things that, that, I, that I would highlight in my Bible? What are those things that I have questions about? And dwelling on those things for longer to try to understand. Because I think our tendency is to just go read it. We don't think about God really hardly at all. We just read the stuff. We're done. We think a couple things intellectually and just move on. But I think what we're called to do is to is to see him here, to seek him here, to love him here, and that requires a little bit more effort from us to actually sit there with it and to think on these things and ask the questions. And there's so many resources, like we talked about earlier, to help us understand what we're reading. 
not all resources are created equal. The internet is not always right. But man, there's so many resources at our disposal that we have no excuse. Think about the access that we have. I think about sometimes the early church. The early church and their access to God's word was quite literally maybe a letter that was written to them that was scripture. You know, a letter from Paul that they had to come together to read together or somebody had to read it to them. Uh, And even in later generations of the church, uh, maybe the only copies of scripture were at the church and you had to go gather with people and then you had to memorize stuff and try to think on it through the week. But you didn't have access to it right there yourself. And I have this and I've got an app on here that will read to me. And half of my, my scripture intake these days is I have something reading to me while I do something else. I go on runs in the morning and I will just listen to scripture. And it's like, what incredible access we have. I know that sounds, that sounds like a weird thing. Some people are like, oh, I listen to music. I like to just run with nothing on. No, I like to listen to scripture while I read. And I do it. I don't have headphones either to do it with. I just like listen to it out loud. So when I pass by somebody else, they just have to listen to whatever it is I'm listening to. But I, I have so much access and you have so much access. We have, we have commentaries. We have uh, resources. We have places that we can go on the internet to, to ask our questions. We have a podcast that will explain God's word to us. We have podcasts where we can listen to any preacher we want to, explain any passage we want to. We just have so much access. And what is our excuse for not giving God any of our attention, for not giving God's word any of our attention? If I can't give God any of my attention with the wealth of access that I have ever, if I don't spend any time ever in the word or listening to somebody talk about the word or thinking about the word, with all the access I have, then do I really love him? Do I love him? Have I experienced his love? Because if I have, then I'm going to want to be in this word more. And I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to create that habit so that my love grows for him. And if you've got to read less to consider something more deeply, then do it. Read slow. Don't start with trying to read the whole Bible in a year. That ain't going to work. That's three or four chapters a day. And some of you don't work like that. Sometimes I like to listen to long passages, like long texts or long parts of Scripture together to get the context. I like that. Sometimes I like to sit down and read lots of chapters in a row just to get the big picture. (coughs) But it's also great to sit down with like two verses and think on them deeply and ask the questions. Just don't neglect it. If you go short, go short. If you go uh, read long, read long. Just don't neglect it. Because neglecting the word is ignoring the one who loves us. Here's a fourth principle. Rehearse the words that you don't forget it. Rehearse the words that you don't forget. Read, reread, repeat the truth back to yourself. If you're already familiar with the passage when you come to it, that doesn't mean I can skip this. Just because you're familiar with something, hey, that's awesome. Be happy that you're familiar with Scripture. Celebrate it but don't skip it. Look for things you haven't noticed before. Remind yourself of the things that you've already understood because we need reminders. We rehearse things that are important, right? We rehearse things that are important. We want to keep these things in our minds, things that we need to remember. You know, Amy has to remind me all the time of our family's schedule over and over again. She's like, birthday party this Saturday. You know, a kid's thing, whatever, this family thing that I've got. I got this women's event. And she's got to come at me all, like, over and over and over again before I get it. And if you're anything like me, I need that with Scripture too. I need to let God's Word keep reinforcing itself with me over and over again. You know, we read this, verse 13. 
where he says, with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. He's saying, with my own lips, I want to recite the words of your law. I want to recite your, your rules with my mouth. I want to say these things out loud. Sometimes we need to literally say word, God's word to ourselves out loud. We need to rehearse this stuff. Colossians 3.16, I love this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and, hear, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in your hearts, or your hearts to God. This idea of like, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, but also teaching and admonishing one another. Talking about the word. Like, what if we as Christians spent more time talking to each other about what God has said? What if we talked about that? You know what? You need people in your life that you can talk about the word with. You need people who will come check you and ask, like, hey, have you been in God's word? What have you been learning from God's word lately? People that you can, you can ask them about that. We need that kind of community. We need to be holding each other accountable in this way so that we might store up God's word in our heart and not sin against him. So we might grow in our love for him. We need to ask questions when we have questions. Find somebody that you think knows more than, the, uh, than you about the word and ask them your questions. See what they say. Maybe you have an opportunity to teach somebody else something. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Maybe we should read the word and study it as if we're going to pass it on to somebody else. Think about this. Jesus, in the Great Commission, he said, go therefore make disciples. And then he explained how to do that. One of the things was teaching them everything that I, or teaching them to obey everything that I have said. How are you going to teach somebody else and make a disciple if you don't know what's in the Word? So go study the Word. Study it as if you're going to have to pass it on to somebody. And then look for opportunities to talk about what you've been reading, what you've learned from God's Word. Not in an arrogant way. Some people come at it like, hey, well, this morning in my Bible, in my quiet time, I've read this thing. And it's like, they just want to squeeze that in and let you know that they were doing a quiet time this morning. Like, not in an arrogant way, but looking for opportunities to just share the truth that you have come to know. Memorize passages of Scripture. Memorize it. That whole, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need his words to dwell in us. What if our auto responses to situations in our life were Scripture? Like, what if the auto response to lies that come into our minds, or anxious feelings or thoughts or fears. What if those things that came into our mind, what if the auto response to those things was scripture, scriptural truth? That can be a reality. When you store it up in your heart, it is there for the Holy Spirit to bring back to your remembrance when you need it. That can be really, that can be possible, but what it's going to take is a steady dose of God's word. Consistency is huge. This is how we live as Christians. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, when he was, he was answering Satan, Satan tried to tempt him to turn uh, stones into bread because he was hungry. He'd been in the desert for, you know, 40 days. Jesus answered this, uh, quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is our source of spiritual life. And if you have no spiritual vitality right now, you feel malnourished spiritually it's probably because you don't have a healthy dose of God's word in your life. Or you're spending time in God's word, but just to check it off a box, and you're not doing it to seek him. Your mind and your heart and your soul are going to leak spiritual truth over time. 
that is one effect of the sin nature in us. The lies, they sound appealing. They sound true. And the spiritual truth just leaks out, like trying to hold water in a wicker basket. But it leaks out over time, and we have to keep filling it back in, keep going back to the well. Here's another thing I'd say. Pray through the word to make it personal. It's his word. He wants to be personally involved with you. Go ask him questions. Talk to him about it. Tell him what you don't understand. Ask him to help you understand. Ask him to show you how and in what circumstances you're supposed to apply these things that you're reading. Just ask. Even if he doesn't make anything clear to you in that moment, it's good to begin that practice of saying, this word, I'm I'm not just reading this word like it's just words on a page. I'm reading it like it's somebody's voice, and I want to talk back to them, and I want to have a conversation with them. We don't come to something that is impersonal in the Bible. We come to God's words. We come to something living and active. That's what Hebrews 4.12 says. It says it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not this static thing that we come to when we read. It's, it is living and active because it's actively coming from someone to us. He didn't just inspire this and then, okay, it was just something that was foregone 2,000 years ago. We just happened to still read it. No, he is still actively speaking in this word and trying to communicate with us. This is how we discern what's really going on with us. This is, how, uh, this is how the word gets into us. It's because it's living and active. God is with us in it. The Holy Spirit who inspired the words can help you understand them as you read. So talk to him about it. Ask him for help understanding. I'd say pray the words of Scripture back to him. Pray through a psalm. The psalms are already written like prayers, right? And, and so you can pray through a psalm. You can begin to read a psalm, and as it strikes up something in your mind, like as you read even this psalm, you know, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding according to your word? You, could, you begin to pray, like, how, Lord, in what ways in, in, in my life am I not living in purity? How, how can you, uh, you know, Lord, help me to, to live in a more pure way. Help me to see scriptures that maybe I can remember and keep in my mind so that I don't give in to some of the same sins that I've been giving into. Turn the, the words of scripture into prayer. I have phrases from scripture that I use as part of my prayers all the time. They've just found their way in. Like, I pray things like, lead me on level ground. That's a scriptural phrase. I pray, lead me in paths of righteousness. That was from Psalm 23 that we talked about at the beginning of the semester. I pray, help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's from Matthew 5, 6, I think. And so those things come to mind as I pray. The scriptural language is just there. And then there are scriptures that I often pray in reference to. I'll ask God to fill up my prayers where they're lacking. Coming from Romans 8, 26, that the Holy Spirit uh, fills of our prayers, and he deeper groanings than we can possibly express. Right? And I'll, I'll pray sometimes thinking about Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, thanking Jesus for making a way for me to approach the throne of grace with boldness so that I might find help in mercy in time of need. I'll, I will pray with the Lord's prayer in mind and, and ask God to fulfill his will and, and try to thank him and, and say hallowed be your name type things at the beginning of my prayers. It's just, it shapes the way that we pray. Scripture doesn't have to be cold and impersonal. It can be personal. The scriptures enhance our prayers, and our prayers, while we read the scriptures, make it more than just words on a page. So pray the, pray the scriptures to, uh, pray as you read scripture to make it personal. Last principle, respond to the words so that you don't miss its blessings. Respond to the words so that you don't miss its blessings. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and once 
at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. I say this, do your best when you come to the word not to leave it until there's some kind of response. Some way that you can respond to it. That may be praying through something. It may be confessing some sin that you feel convicted about. It may be a resolve against a certain temptation that you know you're going to face. It may be uh, forgiveness that you need to extend to somebody else, forgiveness that you need to seek from somebody else. It may be a conversation you need to have with somebody. It may be the gospel that you need to share with somebody. It may be an attitude that you're going to try to live with throughout the day, but don't leave the word until you have a response, some way to respond to what you've read. And again, all this is going to come down to whether or not you really believe it's worth it to give this word as much attention, this much attention and access to your daily life. Do I believe that God is in it? Do I believe these are his words? Do I believe that there's real benefit to me? If so, then be intentional with it and look for ways to respond. Because what you do with the word matters and what you fail to do with the word matters. Don't let your lack of experience or knowledge of the word keep you from starting. Some of us grew up on the word. Some of us grew up in church. I grew up doing Bible drill. Anybody else? Anybody else feel that? Okay, fourth through sixth grade. I don't even know what the, the terms were, but I was like, man, I was so good at Bible drill, right? But some of you didn't grow up in church. You don't know as much. And you feel like when it's like New Testament, Old Testament survey, you're like everything is blowing your mind. Like, oh, gosh, that, I didn't even know that was happening. I didn't know it was in the word. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Some of you aren't at union. You don't have to take Bible classes. So maybe you don't know as much as you feel like you should know to start. Listen, don't let what you don't know keep you from getting to know the things that are in here. You can start from nothing, and the Lord will reveal these things to you. If you're a Christian, now what? We want to be in his word. You don't have a bit of control over what has happened in the past. You can't go back and change your own lack of care for the word before now, but you can make a decision now to learn and to grow, to get in it. You can decide right now to be more consistent. You can decide right now to have the word of God be something that stays in your mind throughout the day that you actually think about more than just getting in here and reading from time to time. You can decide right now to talk about it more with other people, whether that's through church, through a small group, through a D group, through an accountability, uh, kind of partnership with a friend. But you can decide right now to act and to ask God to help you to want it more. And he will. So decide with me. We're going to be people of the word. This is the only way to know and to love the Lord.